0: Ashley brought reading Nora Roberts' book, Sea Swept, Chapter 3. Cam figured this had to be the weirdest week of his life. He should have been in Italy, preparing for the motocross he planned to treat himself to. Most of his clothes and his boots and his boat were Monte Carlo. His car was a nice, his motorcycle in Rome. And he was in St. Chris, babysitting a ten-year-old with a bad attitude. He hoped to cri- he hoped to Christ, the kid was in school where he belonged. They had a battle royale over that little item that morning, but then they were at war over most everything: kitchen duty, curfews, laundry, television picks. Came to his head as he peered off the rotting treads on the back steps. He'd swear the boy would square up for about if you said good morning. Maybe he wasn't doing a fabulous job as guardian, but damn it, he was doing his best. He had the tension headache to prove it. Well, mostly, he was on his own. Philip had promised weekends, and that was something. But it also left five hideous days between. Ethan made a point of coming by and staying a few hours every evening after he pulled in the day's catch, but that left the days. Cam would have traded his immortal soul for a weekend, Martikini. Hot sand and hotter women, cold beer and no hassles. Instead, he was doing laundry, learning the mysteries, mysteries of microwave cooking, and trying to keep tabs on a boy who seemed a little bit on making life miserable. You were the same way. Hell, I was. I wouldn't have lived to see 12 if I'd been that big of an idiot. Most of the first year, Stella and I used to lie in bed at night and wondered if you'd still be here in the morning. At least there were two of you, in. And- Cam's hand went limp on the hammer, and his fingers simply gave way until it thudded on the ground beside him. There in the old creakety rocker on the back porch said Ray Quinn. His face was wide and smiling, his hair tussled white mane that grew long and full. He wore his favorite grey fishing pants, a faded grey t shirt with a red crab across his chest. His feet were bare. Dad. Cam's head spun once slickly. Then his heart burst with joy. leaped to his feet. You didn't think I you fumble through this slime, did you? But Cam showed his eyes. He was hallucinating. He realized. It was stress, fatigue, grief-tossed in. I always tried to teach you that life's full of surprises and miracles. Wanted to you open your mind not just to possibilities, Cam, but to impossibilities. ghosts God. <laughs> Why not? The audience seemed to cheer Ray, imm- cheer Ray immensely as he let loose with one of his deep, rumbling laughs. Read your letters, your son. It's full of them. Can't be. Cam mumbled to himself. I'm sitting right here, so it looks like a can. I left too many things on finish around here. It's up to you and your brothers now. But who says I can't give you a little help now and again? Help. Yeah. I'm going to need some serious help. Starting with a psychiatrist. Before his legs gave out on him, Cam picked his way through the broken stairs and sat down on the edge of the porch. You're not crazy, Cam. Just confused. Cam took a steady breath, turned his head to study the man. He lazily rocked in the old walker. Wooden chair. The mighty Quinn. He saw while the air whooshed out of his lungs. He looks solid and real. He looked. calm. Decided. There. If you're really here, tell me about the boy. Is he yours? He's yours now. Yours and Ethan's and Phillip's. That's not enough. Of course it is. Count on each of you. Ethan takes things as they come. And makes the best of them. Phillip wraps his mind around details and ties them up. You push at everything until it works your way. The boy needs all three of you. So that's what's important. You're all what's important. I don't know what to do with them, Cam said impatiently. I don't know what to do with myself. Figure out one, you'll figure out the other. Damn it, tell me what happened. Tell me what's going on. That's not why I'm here. I can't tell you if I've seen Elvis either. Ray when Cam let out a short Elvis was I believe in you, Cam. Don't give up on set. Don't give up on yourself. I don't know how to do this. Fix the steps, Ray said with a win. It's a start. The hell with the steps. Cam began, but he was alone again with the sound of sing- singing birds and gently lapping one. Losing my mind. He mumbled, rubbing an unsteady hand over his face. Losing my goddamn mind. Then rising, he went back to fix the steps. Anna Spinelli had the radio blasting. Aretha Franklin was willing out wailing out of her million dollar pipes demanding respect. Anna was wailing along with her, deliriously thrilled with her spanking new car. She worked her butt off, budgeted and juggled funds to afford the down payment in the monthly installments. So, And as far as she was concerned it would be worth every carton of yogurt she ate rather than a real meal. Despite the chilly spring air, she would had preferred to have the top down as she sped along the country roads, but it wouldn't have looked professional to arrive windblown. Above all else, it was essential appear and behave in a professional manner. She'd chosen a plain and proper navy suit and white blouse for this home visit. What she wore under it was nobody's business but her own. Her affection for silk-strained... Her ever-bullying budget, but life was for living after all. She fought her long, curly black hair into a tidy bun at the nap of her neck. She thought it made her look a bit more mature and dignified. Too often when she wore her hair down, she was dismissed as a hot number rather than a serious-minded social worker. Her skin was pale gold, thanks to her, her Italian heritage. Her eyes, big and dark and almond-shaped, her mouth was full with a ripe bottom lip. The bones in her face were strong and prominent, her nose long and straight. She wore a little makeup during business hours, weary of drawing the wrong kind of attention. She was twenty-eight years old, devoted to her work, satisfied with the single life and pleased that she'd been able to settle in the pretty town of Princess Anne. She'd have enough of the city as she drove between long, flat fields of row crops with the scent of water. A hint on the breeze through a window. She dreamed of one day moving to such a place. Country lanes and tractors. A view of the bay and boats. She never saved up. She needed to save up to plan. But one day she hoped to manage to buy a little house outside of town. The commute wouldn't be so hard. Not when driving was one of her greatest personal pleasures. The CD player shifted the Queen of Soul to Beethoven. Anna began to hum the older joy. She was glad the Quinn case had been assigned to her, It was so interesting. She only wished she'd had the chance to meet Raymond and Stella Quinn, who would take very special people to adopt three half-grown and troubled boys and make it work. But they were gone, and now Seth Lutner was her concern. Obviously, the adoption proceedings couldn't go forward. Three single men, one living in Baltimore, one in St. Chris, and the other whether wherever he choose, chooses at the moment. Well, Anna mused, it didn't appear to be the best environment for the child. In any case, it was doubtful they would want guardianship, so Seth Lottner would be absorbed back into the system. Anna intended to do her best by him. When she spotted the house through the greening leaves, she stopped the car. Deliberately, she turned the radio down to a dignified level, then checked her face and hair in the rearview mirror. Shifting back into first, she drove the last few yards at a luxury pace and turned slowly into the driveway. Her first thought was that it was a pretty house in a lovely lovely setting. So quiet and peaceful, she mused. It could have used a fresh coat of paint, and the yard needed tending. But the slight air of disrepair only added to the homeliness. A boy would be happy here, she thought. Anyone would. It's a shame he'd have to be taken away from it. She sighed a little, knowing too well that... Fate had its whims. Taking a briefcase, she got out of the car. She used her jacket to make certain it fell in line. She wore it a bit loose so it wouldn't showcase distracting curves. She started toward the front door, noting that the prenatal beds flanking the steps were beginning to pop. She really needed to learn more about flowers. She made a mental note to check out a few gardening books from the library. She heard the hammering and hesitated. Then her particularly low heels cut across the lawn toward the back of the house. He was kneeling on the ground when she caught sight of him. Black t-shirt tucked into snug and faded denim from a purely female outlook it was impossible not to react and approve of him muscles the long and lean sort rippled as he pounded a nail in the wood with enough anger and amuse, enough force to send vibrations of both into the air to shimmer philip quinn she wondered the advertising executive highly doubtful cameron quinn the globe trotting risk taker hardly so this must be ethan the waterman she fixed a polite smile on her face and started forward mr quinn his head came up with a hammer still gripped in his hand. He turned until he saw his face. Oh, yes. The anger was there, she realized, full-blown and lethal, and the face itself was more compelling and certainly tougher than she'd been prepared for. Some Native American blood, perhaps, she decided, would account for those sharp bones and bronze skin. His hair was a true black, untidy and long enough to fall over his collar. His eyes were anything but friendly, the color of bitter storms. On a personal level, she found the package outrageously sexy. On a professional one, she knew the look of an alley brawler when she saw one. Decided on the spot that whichever Quinn this was, he was a man to be careful with. Took his time studying her. His first thought was that legs like that deserve a better showcase than a drab navy skirt and ugly black shoes. Second was that when a woman had eyes that big, that brown, that beautiful, she probably got whatever she wanted without saying a word. He set the hammer down and wrote, I'm Quinn. I'm Anna Spinelli. She kept a smile in place as she walked forward, Handerson. which Quinn are you? Cameron. He expected a soft hand because of the eyes, because of the husky pull of her voice, but it was firm. What can I do for you? I'm um, Seth the Latner's caseworker. His interest evaporated in his it. Susan's go. I'd hope so. I'd like to speak with you about the situation, mister Quinn. My brother Phillips handled the legal details. GRSTBR. Determined to keep the small polite smile, please. Is he here? No. Well then if I can have a few minutes of your time, I assume you're living here, at least temporarily. So what? <laughs> she didn't bother aside. Too many people saw social worker as the enemy. She'd done so once herself. My concern is Seth, Mr. Quinn. Now we can discuss this, or I can simply move forward with the procedure for his removal from this home and into appro- approved foster care. It'd be a mistake to try that, Miss Spinelli. Seth isn't going anywhere. <laughs> her back went up. That's the way he drawed out her name. Seth Lottner is a minor. The private adoption your father was implementing wasn't finalized, and there are some questions about its vitality. At this point, Mr. Quinn, you have no legal connection to him. You don't want me to tell you what you can do with your legal connection, do you, Miss Spinelli? With some satisfaction, watch those big, dark eyes flash. I didn't think so. I can resist. That's my brother. The saint of it left him shaking with a jerk of his shoulder turned. I need a bear. She stood for a moment after the screen door slammed. When it came to her work, she simply didn't permit herself to lose her temper. She breathed in, breathed out, three times before climbing the half repaired steps and going in the house. Mr. Quinn? Still here. He twisted the top off a harp. Want a bear? No, Mr. Quinn. I don't like those workers. You're joking. She allowed herself to flutter her lashes at him. I never would have guessed. His lips twitched before he lifted the bottle to Nothing personal. Of course not. I don't like rude Eric and men. It's nothing personal either. Now, are you ready to discuss cess cess welfare, or should I simply come back with the proper paperwork and the cops? She would. Came decided after another study. She might have been given a face suitable for painting, but she wasn't a pushover. You try that, and the kid's going to bolt. You pick him up sooner or later, and he'll end up in juvie. Then he'll end up in a cell. Your system isn't going to help him, Miss Spinelli. But you can. Maybe. You frowned into me. My father would have. When he looked up again, there were emotions storming in his eyes. that pulled at her. Do you believe in the sanctity of a deathbed promise? Yes, she said before she could stop. The day my father died, I promised him, we promised him, that we'd keep self with us. Nothing to no one is going to make me break my word. Not you, not your system, not a dozen cops. The situation here wasn't what she expected to find, so she would reevaluate. I'd like to sit down. Anna said after a moment. Go ahead. She pulled out a chair at the table. There were dishes in the sink, she noted, in the faint smile of whatever had been burnt for dinner the night before. But to her, that only meant someone was trying to feed a young boy. Do you intend to apply for legal guardianship? We. Oui. You, Mr. Quencher, I'm asking you if that is your intention. She waited, watching the doubts and resistance sweep over his face. Then I guess it is, yeah. God help them all, he thought, if that's what it takes. Do you intend to live in this house with Seth on a permanent basis? Permanent. It was perhaps the only truly frightening word in his life. Now I have to sit down. He did so, pitched the bridge of his nose, between his thumb, forefinger, and released some of the pressure. Christ, how about we use it for the foreseeable future, instead of permanent? She folded her hands on the edge of the table. She didn't doubt his sincerity. Would have applauded him for his attentions, but you have no idea what you're thinking of taking on. What's wrong? You're wrong, I do. And it scares the hell out of me. She nodded, considering to answer a point in his favor. What well, makes you think you would be a better guardian for a ten-year-old boy, a boy I believe you've known for less than two weeks, than a screened and approved foster home? Because I understand him, I've been him, or part of him, because this is where he belongs. Let me lay out some of the bigger obstacles to what you're planning. You're a single man with no permanent address and without a steady income. I've got a house right here. I've got money. <laughs> Whose name is the house, then, Mr. Quinn? She only nodded when it's frozen in. I imagine you have no idea. Philip will. Good for Philip, and I'm sure you have some money, Mr. Quinn, but I'm speaking of steady employment. Going around the world racing various forms of transportation isn't stable em- employment. It pays just fine. Have you considered the risk to life and limb of your chosen lifestyle when you propose to take on a responsibility like this? Believe me, the court will. What if something happens to you when you're trying to break land and speed records? I know what I'm doing. Besides, there are three of us. Only one of you lives in the house where Seth will live. <laughs> so? <laughs> and the one who does it isn't a respected college professor with the experience of raising three sons. That doesn't mean I can't handle it. No, Mr. Quinn, she said patiently. But it's a major obstacle to legal guardianship. What if we all did? Excuse me? What if we all lived here? when my brothers moved in? What a damn mess, Cam thought, but he kept going. What if I got a? Now he had to take a deep swallow of beer, knowing no the word was sticking in his throat. A job, he managed. He stared at him. You'd be willing to change your life so dramatically. Ryan Stella Quinn changed my life. Her face softened, making Cam blink in surprise at her as her gorgeous mouth. She into a smile as her eyes seemed to go darker and deeper. When her hand reached out, closed lightly over his. She stared down at it, surprised by a quick jolt of what was certainly pure love. When I was driving here, I was wishing I could have met them. I thought they must have been remarkable people. Now I'm sure of it. Then she drew back. Then she drew back. I'll need to speak with Seth and with your brothers. What time does Seth get home from school? What time? (laughs) King, let's get your clock without a clue. It's sort of flexible. You'll want to do better than that if this gets as far as a formal home study. I'll go by the school and see him. Your brother Ethan, she rose. What I find in my home? Not this time of day. He'll be bringing in his catchment before five. She glanced at her watch. Gives you your timing. All right. And I'll contact your other brother in Baltimore. From her briefcase, she took out a neat letter number. Now, can you give me names and addresses of some neighbors? People who know you and Seth and who would stand for your character. The good side of your character, that is. I could probably come up with a few. That's a start. I'll do some research here, mister Glenn. If it's in Seth's best interest to remain in your home, under your care, I'll do everything I can to help you. Jangled ahead. If I reach the opinion that it's in his best interest to be taken out of your home and out of your care, then I'll fight you two to nail to make that happen. Cam Rose is one And I guess we understand each other. Not by a long shot, but we've, but you've got to start somewhere. The minute she was out of the house, Cam, Cam was on the phone. By the time he had been passed through secretary and an assistant and reached Philip's temperance bureau, there was a goddamn social worker here. I told you to expect that. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. You don't listen. I've got a friend of mine, a lawyer, working on the guardianship. Seth's mother took a hike. As far as we can tell, she's not in Baltimore. I don't give a damn where the mother is. The social worker was making noises about taking Seth. The lawyer's putting through a temporary guardianship. It takes time, Kim. We may not have time. He shut his eyes, Try to think past her. Or maybe I bought her some. Who owns the house now? We do. Dad left it. Well, everything. Just three of us. Fine. Good. Because you're about to change locations. You're gonna need to pack up those designer suits of yours, pal, and get your butt back down here. We're gonna be living together again. Like hell! And I've got to get a goddamn job. going to expect you by seven tonight. Bring dinner. I'm sick to the death of cooking. It gave him some satisfaction to hang up on Philip's vigorous cursing. Anna found Seth sullen and smart-mouthed and snotty and liked him immediately. The principal had given her permission to take him out of class, use the corner of the empty cafeteria as a makeshift office. It would be easier if you'd tell me what you think and feel and what you want. Why should you give a damn? They pay me to, Seth shrugged and continued to draw patterns on the table with me. I think you should mind your own business. I feel bored and I want you to go away. Well, that's enough about me, Anna said and had the pleasure of seeing Seth struggle to suppress a smile. Let's talk about you. Are you happy living with Mr. Quinn? It's a cool house. Yes, I liked it. What about Mr. Quinn? He thinks he knows everything. Thinks he's a BFT because he's been all over the world. Sure as hell care cook, let me tell you. She left her pen on the table, put her arms over her notebook. He was much too thin. She now, Do you go hungry? He ends up going to get pizza or burgers. Pitiful. I mean, what's it take to work maybe you should do the cooking, like he'd ask me, you know night he blows up the potatoes, right, forgets to poke holes in them, you know, (laughs) and Bam! Seth forgot to sneer, laughing out loud and said, What a mess. He swore, swore like a streak then, man oh man <laughs> So the kitchen isn't his area of expertise, but Anna decided he was trying. He tell me. He's better off when he's going around hammering things or filling with that cool-ass car. Did you see that, Petta? Cam said it was his mom's, and she had it for like ever. Drives like a rocket, too. Ray kept it in the garage. Guess he didn't want to get it out. Do you miss Ray? The shoulders shrugging in says Gageon. He was cool, but he was old, and when you get old, you die. That's the way it is. What about Ethan and Philip? <laughs> They're okay. I like going out on the boats. If I didn't have school, I could work for Ethan. He said I pulled my weight. Do you want to stay with them, Seth? I got no place to go, do I? There's always a choice, and I'm here to help you find the one that works best for you. If you know where your mother's. I don't know. His voice rose. His head snapped up. His eyes darkened to nearly navy against the pale face. And I don't want to know. Try to send me back there. You'll never find me. Did she hurt you? In a way, did a beat and nodded when he only said, All right. We'll leave that alone for now. There are couples and families who are willing and able to take children into their home to care for them. She gives them a good life. They don't want me, do they? Tears wanted to come. He'd been damned if he'd let them. Said his eyes went hot and burned dry. He said I could stay, but it was a lie. Just another fucking lie. No, she out his hand before he could leap up. No, they do want you. As a matter of fact, Mr. Quinn... Cameron was very angry with me for suggesting you should go and eat another home. I'm only trying to find out what you want. And I think you just told me that if living with the Quince is what you really want and what's best for you, I want to help you to get that. Ray said I could stay. Said I never have to go back. He promised. If I can't, I'll try to help him keep that promise. End of chapter three.